0: Come with us into the wild wood and find the magic within. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night good people around the world. This is Into the Wildwood, and I hope you are going to join us and find the magic within. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope everybody had a good week, um, and let us know what you thought about um, the last week's video. Uh, we uploaded it as a normal video, Um we could get some comments. In the comments section, rather than through the live, um, just help to help the algorithm a bit and things like that. Um, I don't know what you thought about that format, anyway. And hello to everybody, Lady Copera. I don't know if you're still here. I don't know when that comment went through, but that was before I even switched on at half past. Um, <laughs> Yolandi and Yohana, oh, Blades, how are you?
1: Hello. No. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting that YouTube lets you comment in the live chat w- window, like, way before it starts, but then when it starts, it removes all of those comments. Mm. Like, keep it, keep it around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think YouTube, well, YouTube's pretty good, but uh, still some improvements I can make, I think. As oh, yeah. always. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And Schrodinger's cats here. Hello, Schrodinger. 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 Uh, cats. Thank you. All right.
1: Hello, though. In honor of your name, that was both a hello and not a hello.
0: (laughs) It's in the box. Yes. (laughs) All right. If you haven't checked out the link in the description, uh, go and do that. Everything's in there. You'll find our website, into the wildwood.com. That's wildwood with a wire. And our Discord server, Wildwood Temple. Our Facebook page is in there. Uh, I think that's everything. No, we don't have that much now, so we've, we've kind of chopped it all away. Yep. Okay. So, today, we are talking about enchantments and incantations. I'm not sure where to start with this, except toot, 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 toot <laughs> through out to the boot. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, my expertise is all in uh, the language and the rhyming patterns and the poetry and the kennings and that sort of thing. But yours is mm. all in the, the sound and actual noise side of things.
0: Yeah. Chanting, mantras, uh, vibration. I think, that, well, I mean, from my side, I think that the most important and interesting part of that is vibration itself, that vibration can actually change the structure of cells. So to get the right vibrations and using names of power of Barbara's words and things like that Um change the vibration of most things. True, true. Yeah. All right. Uh-uh. If anybody's got any vibration. questions about this topic, obviously, then, you know, let us know if there's anything you would like us to actually focus on. It is a very, very big topic.
1: It is a huge topic. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk so, about about vibration and sound and all, how all that works.
0: Mm, and, and the logos.
1: hmm The power of the logos. Mm. I think that's pretty important because we reference that a lot um, as we're talking about things and how words... Um, the shaping of concepts into thought forms into words that are then vibrated into matter through speech through physicality you know mm. that's it's a whole mystical thing and it, we just are like yeah the logos <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, well I think it also boils down to that idea of the the first sound that created all things um, hmm. which can be seen as a vibration um, I mean, scientists talk about the big bang, a bang would be a vibration
1: Oh yeah, well and, and like then, um, in the uh, Velospo, it starts out with a uh, the great scream and bellowing that then breaks down into smaller and smaller waves and sounds and vibrations.
0: Mm. Uh, ladies, uh, good morning from snow covered Northern Nevada. And Papa Mises here, no audio, no audio. Is anybody out struggling to hear us? I'm sure, somebody would have mentioned that by now. I'm sure it isn't. Shredding's cat definitely heard us because, yeah, uh, <laughs> yep, no, this cat said I can hear.
1: yeah It shows everything's going through fine on our side, of course. I can't, I don't have a monitor to hear what you all are hearing.
0: Okay, Lady Capera, put your volume up. <laughs> there we go. Papa means can hear good audio now. Oh, there we okay, go. Lady Capera, put a volume up. There we go. <laughs>
1: Sometimes YouTube just does that with live streams.
0: Mm. All right. Oh, still don't know where to start with this. <laughs> mm. Um. Well, let's start with enchantments. What are we talking about when we talk about enchantments? So um, there was actually, yeah. I'll carry on. I was actually going to go find something as well.
1: When I think of enchantment, I think of a song or a spoken spell that adds some effect to a person, place, or thing. That's pretty, um, pretty wide open. Um, and sometimes they're uh, repeated, but I mean, it's enchant it has chant right in there um to cont to speak to sing to spell you know Mm. so I don't think it can be an enchantment unless it has some sort of verbal spoken language component now I will um make a caveat to that because I sign I speak ASL and uh There's definitely no verbal voice component to ASL, but there's poetry and there's magic and there's all of that. So while we are talking about the verbal and the sound, I think enchantment and incantation and and magic and everything is uh, definitely possible without that component because it's about language and conceptual it still has that process of the logos in it Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who are hearing or are not part of you know the ASL world don't realize that when we sign um many people still um inspire they're still um breath involved in the process of signing it's not um it's not separated out in a separate i don't know it's all it's all a coherent stream of um language communication through the body and it still involves breathing and the movement of breath as part of that so
0: well we've, we've mentioned this before actually um in reference to vibrating uh, names of power um it can it's usually spoken about doing it two ways either verbally or silently but mm-hmm. there's a third way which is a whisper mm. um and i i find the whisper to be kind of the most potent for me because it's kind of in between that it's an in-between it's a liminal type of um noise sound breath as well
1: i've always taken and... that as the the silent one the whisper mm. way
0: yeah and see I've, I've always known it was three or so sort of verbally like we're speaking now mm-hmm. silently without any any sound any breath just silently mm-hmm. within the head um and then whisper i'm trying to think There was something crowley said about uh vibrating and it was actually internal I can't remember what it was exactly now
1: hmm.
0: yeah it was something to do with actually vibrating the name of power within yourself but not verbally at all so it's all mental and then allowing it to come up and project out but still not verbal hmm I'll have to go find that, and post it on the Discord server, I think. Um, Yeah. Uh, Oh, Yolandi said, uh, it's amazing how your temperament can influence your incantations and enchantments. Yeah. Mm. I think because... Sorry, what are
1: you going to
0: say? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say because, um, you know, when we are doing any kind of charm, or any kind of spell work which includes a rhyme or a poem or something we don't have that um the will the power you don't have that that kind of force behind you pushing the vibration itself it just goes flat
1: yeah well i mean a great deal of magical power comes from emotion temperament it's Mm. it's by far the easiest way to access it um and generate and move and everything else so um you know i think temperament influences all of your magic Mm -hmm. all the time which is why it's so important that we practice all of our daily skills, our grounding and centering, our meditation, our focus, all of those things, because they're all to uh, allow us to control that, to choose that as a component in our magic. And then
0: yeah.
1: there's also just, you know, uh, when working in groups, some people are better suited to certain things. And that can be temperament, too. You know, you get together in a group of people and there's your watery people and there's your fiery people and there's your earthy people and there's your airy people and it's real easy (laughs) to see who's who. And sometimes the point of the group is for everyone to do the thing they're already really good at. Sometimes the point of the group is for everyone to do the thing they're not good at and learn and improve, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And a lot of groups will mix that around so that there's you know some anchor people who are performing at their peak and there's people in between that are learning new skills and and all sorts of stuff so there's a lot of there's a lot of um factors to consider in that way Mm. but we're veering off the track
0: (laughs) as always you don't you said i do mine either in a whisper or sign up and i think it's um you know a lot of people are in situations where they can't verbally Mm. um, say things uh, vocalize things um but at the same time i'm thinking of mantras um you know when we do mantras or a viable to sanskrit word or something or, or just a letter we usually do it verbally because you can feel the vibration Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um but i do remember reading somewhere that the whole aim of um, uh, reciting mantras is to actually internalize them and allow it to vibrate within without that the verbal vocal cords actually vibrating and then vibrating the body
1: i think um like you know intense emotions are a good way to learn about the uh rising of magical energy. Um, Mm -hmm. Good old fashioned uh, screaming and bellowing and and verbal vibration is a good way to learn about internal vibration. Mm -hmm. You can find resonance within your body using your voice. Humans as small children do it all the time, right? Kids love to just make noise for the pleasure of making noise. And part of that is, Figuring out how those noises feel in different parts of the body, uh, so that so that you can so that you know what the feeling is, so when it's time mm-hmm. to to conjure that feeling internally, you can do that. But it doesn't. the The actual audio, the actual um, sound, is not always necessary but it's a really easy key to get there
0: yeah yeah and i think also because you know, i was going to say if you're verbalizing something you can change the pitch of it which changes the vibration um but you can do that internally as well mm-hmm. but as you say it's an easy kind of an easy tool um you know when you're actually hearing it hearing your own voice changing pitch and frequency and what have you. It's easier to hear, so it becomes easier to actually sort of tune in. Yeah. Showing, yeah. um, as Kat said, uh, my personal ex- personal experience, the utterances work better if they are coherent with something from within, maybe deep focus, emotion, etc. Yeah. So I think if you just kind of vibrating and saying something and reciting a charm and you're kind of just doing it monotone like this and there's no emotion behind it it's not going to go anywhere it's not going to do anything because you know nobody's even going to listen to you. but if you've got emotion behind it um put inflection into it and stuff it's going to really get them
1: get yeah. the mark yeah well um you're not doing magic if you're not connecting it with something you're mm. just practicing. And practicing is important, you know, especially if you would like to memorize a certain passage uh, or a certain chant to recite. Um, you're going to have to do the, the non-magical portions of that where you get it down and remember it. Mm. Um, but then you have to... There's a difference between practicing and performing in performance you attach all of the emotion and all of the feeling and everything else and you have to practice that too.
0: Mm. Yeah there's actually a really good example of this. Um it's um Crowley's in Japan by son of son of a priest the channel's called and he gets into it like Nothing on earth, and when he's finished, you can see <laughs> he's like jumping around and going, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah!"
1: Conjure it up,
0: yeah. definitely. Really good. Earlier, you said there is so much noise in my life. When I when at work, I like it quiet. When I'm home, I can't handle too much noise. It hurts my ear sometimes. There is that, however um you know if you actually sit and you do mantra and it's that repetitive thing over and over again i mean mantra is supposed to put you into a trance stage um so it can actually help to um quiet things down in your mind and everywhere else um also i was going to say now Apart from the the repetitive, um, oh, it's the the actual vibration. So as you are chanting, you are feeling the vibration, which is it's very soothing actually. It's like doing um, I've forgotten the name for it, where you actually it's it's the humming, not the humming, um, the buzzing bee, something or other, where you actually buzz. And you close your ears off and you close. Oh,
1: yeah. And you do that. Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't, and it's, it's, I don't remember what that's human. called.
1: Yeah, it is. But you know. I, I mean, Yolande, I know what you mean about the world being too loud. I live in headphones. I just, mm-hmm. I simply cannot handle the noise anymore. Um, which, uh, I mean, it's going along with my, my hearing loss the noises that I can hear are further and further apart because I have frequency deafness. So there's this range that I'm losing hearing in, and it's expanding. And uh, I just, the noise of of people talking and and all of that, it it sets my teeth on edge. I can't handle it. So I I really do live in noise-canceling headphones all the time, Uh, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, because it's the only way I can exist in the world anymore. And so there are things like that. You know, not everybody has the same sense of hearing. Not everybody has the same sensitivity to noise. Um, and I think the trade over here is what we're really focused on, magically speaking, is the logos, which is a conceptual thing of turning something into language but then a vibrational thing of um, once you've turned this concept into language, you've captured it in a certain way, and now you're going to take that vibration and put it out into the world, thereby changing um, form and matter and everything else, because everything really is down at the fundamental level, vibration, frequency. Everything's buzzing along in its own thing. That's what makes solid and not solid. So um, that that magical operation that we as a, a conscious creating being do from taking a thing we want to be, something we want to change, um, and then turning it into language and then outputting it as vibration. Um, I think that's that's at the core of what enchantment is.
0: Mm. It was actually um, Covenarian Book of Shadows, and there was a bit about charms, which was quite interesting. Uh, Shall I read that? Sure. Not very long. of old there were many chants and songs used especially in the dances many of these have been forgotten by us here but we know that they they used cries of iau which seems muchly like the cries evo or evo of the ancients I hope i'm saying this right the, the words um much dependeth on the pronunciation if this if this be so in my youth when I heard Iao, and I'm not sure why it's saying Iao instead of Ial, because it's usually the Ial, which is the uh, origin of Greek god name or something like that, I can't remember. Um, it seemed to be Au or rather A long. Uh this may be but the natural way to prolong it to make it fit for a call. But it suggests that these be, but be possibly the initials of an invocation, as Agla, is said to be, and of sooth, tis said, that the whole Hebrew alphabet is said to be such. And for this reason, is recited as a most powerful charm. But at least this is certain: these cries during the dances do have profound effect, as I myself have seen. Other calls are, and here uh, yeah. also ha ha ha, isa isa isa, and then he goes on, um, eo, eo, veo, 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 uh, veo, orov, ov, of maybe a spell, but is more likely to be a call, just like the evo, evo of the Greeks and the heave, ho of sailors, em and Heton and abher, abhus. Uh, seem, seem calls as horse and hattock, horse and go, horse and pelatus, ho ho ho, Thoot, toot, a, toot 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 toot, flutin a boot and, and re- rent, rentum, to- oh my god, rentum tormentum, are probably mispronu- re- mispronounced attempts at a forgotten formula, though they may have been invented okay. by some unfortunate being tortured to evade telling the real formula. That was quite interesting
1: yeah that's a um a common thing we find in uh when chance and that sort of thing come from trial records we never know mm. if it was uh quote unquote real versus um something that was uh brought about under torture which is unfortunate
0: mm. Yeah, so, I was reading Gemma mm-hmm. um, Gary's book, Traditional Cornish Witchcraft. Mm hmm. Like the title. Um, and she's actually talking about laying the compass, training the mill. And the rhyme she uses in there is uh toot uh, throughout and about, around and around, and Booker's High Name. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was quite interesting because I, I seem to recall it being related to witches going on the uh, witch flight to Serbot mm-hmm. and then using Rentum to tormentum to come back. Um, so I find it interesting that uses that related to the treading the mill because it's a similar process really, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, very similar process. Getting out of the body and, and getting back in. Mm. And and that chant, um, I've always heard it as out, without, throughout, and about. Um, and it's about getting out of your body. Out, without, throughout, mm. and about. Get out and, and, and go wander. And then mm. the return is not rentum, tormentum, but return. Return, yeah. to me, return, to me, return 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 to me. And... Um, A lot of these um, magical words that we have, um, they're almost always understood, at least when we're looking at them from a translation point of view, as garbled something. There's a lot of garbled Basque, there's a lot of garbled French, uh, there's garbled English in the the out, without, throughout, and about. And it's because these are being used as uh, repetitive mantras where we just say them over and 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 over. And you know, anything you say (laughs) like that, Mm. get any little poem and, and just repeat it without pause, without breathing. You're not reading poetry. You're reciting a mantra and it doesn't take long before the words garble themselves and things sound weird and like, the words kind of lose their meaning, and then they form into other words and sounds that get put together, and that's part of the trance process, you know? So, on the one hand, there are really magic words, like absolutely, there are certain combinations of mostly vowel sounds um, that have a noticeable change in consciousness, Right. And- And then there's the fact that you can, as a human who speaks a language, play with that language to the point that you discover how language makes trance. And it doesn't have to be any specific anything. Um, It's easier to remember if it rhymes, and it induces a certain kind of trance if it rhymes in certain ways. But you can really take anything and turn it into a, a trans inducing mantra recitation incantation um, mm-hmm. I, I would recommend you take things that are positive and you know be mindful of what you do this with uh, because it really does have a, an effect on the consciousness and on the, the local space and everybody who exists in that local space but that's the, that's the magic of logos. Is it does this thing, mm. that, that is both meaning and loss of meaning and and transformation and, you know, it's um, dimension traveling. It's doorway making.
0: Mm. Actually, coming back to something you said just now. Um... When you are repeating the same thing over and over and over again, when you start falling into that trance state, the words start to get smuddled and garbled and become something different. Whenever that used to happen to me, I used to think that um, now I'm, I've made a mistake,
1: mm. and then I stop. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. When you know, should actually just continue, and just uh, let it be.
1: Yeah. Still follow the mm. flow. And depending on what you're doing, sometimes the the rhythm and the stress is more important, mm. right? And sometimes the the vowels are more important, which is something that was hinted at in what you read. It is um the primary modulation of vowel sounds is a kind of um universal trance inducer that leads to the godhead. I o, I o, you know. And often we add fricatives in there. V is a very common one that jumps in with the vowels because as you glide through them, you want a stop. You want a signpost in the cycle. <laughs> you want to mark mm-hmm. revolutions, you know. And so there are a common... Um, consonant noises, fricatives, that, that come into that as you go through it. But you'll find the the vowel modulation technique in Cochrane's writings. You'll find it in Crowley's. Um, Gardner, the Ferrars, um, Sibelique has some stuff on it. I mean, every, all of these um, influential authors uh, that had a lot to do with the revival of paganism. They're all writing about this because this is uh, one of the primary te- techniques that um, is being passed down.
0: Mm. Yeah. Something came to mind just now and now it's gone.
1: Sorry, it's I talked too long.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. <laughs> um, oh it was to do with um the use of sound um and also movement um it just came to mind as uh, a thread i read on a on a shamanic um, group um somebody and you listen to binaural beats and stuff as well mm-hmm. um somebody was actually asking the question about because um, hano came along with his book and it had a cd attached to it which was uh, drumming Um, And had single drum and double drum uh, for half an hour, an hour. And everybody started using that. Somebody asked the question whether that's as effective as doing the drumming yourself. And the replies were it's not. Um, There's something, they went into all the brain chemistry and everything else, but when you're actually drumming and you're dancing as well, Something changes in, in, in the brain chemistry, brings you into a trance, but it's a lot, a lot more effective than actually just sitting down and listening to an audio.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: All, all of the, the brain chemistry and blood circulation that's happening with movement um, is very different than happening when sitting still. And um, the idea of sitting still, no mind meditation that's like, you know, the the two-finger push-up. It's an achievement of a great level of mastery that demonstrates a lot of skill and a lot of time put into it. And we have this idea, especially in the West, that that's meditation. And if you can't sit down and sit still and shut your mind up and have no mind, then you're not meditating. And that's like... I can't go into the gym and do a two-finger push-up. I can't go into the gym and do a push-up. I, you know, there's there's no way. So, mm. um, moving meditation and and moving and breathing and speaking out loud, whether that's you know a, a loud voice or um, a whisper or how moving the breath, moving the body, um, having to. Um, engage in rhythm with movement, whether that's, you know, clapping the hands, stamping the feet, playing a drum, um, all of that. All of that helps in that trance induction, in that meditation, in that change of consciousness. And it's way easier mm-hmm. to do it that way. <laughs> it's, it's so much yeah. easier to learn that way. You know, that's why at public ritual, you can take a group of people and get them clapping, and singing, and walking in a circle, and get most of them into trance. There's no prior skill needed because you're layering on all of these things that help the body naturally do that. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we should do that more often on our own, Uh, but part of the problem is noise. Uh, I know I had uh, many uh, weirdly alarmed neighbors knocking on my door when I lived in an apartment complex, and I would get into things and get too loud, and, and I have a really, really loud laugh, too, and laughter has always been part of my, my rituals. So, you know, I, I understand you can make too much noise, and people look at you weird if you're in the middle of a public park, Dancing around in a circle, screaming "Ayo, Ivo Hey, Ayo, Hey!" You know,
0: <laughs> I get it.
1: I, I've been there. <laughs> so, uh, the space to do these sorts of things is not always available, but um, if you can, you know, find a space and a way to do this, absolutely. And I think that's one of the the big advantages of pagan festivals mm. is there's a space where you can do it in a group. And you're not going to be embarrassed because everybody else is doing it too. You know, and and that's another big thing we all have to overcome, the embarrassment of being loud and moving your body around and and doing all of these things. Because it's not embarrassing to sit quietly. But it Mm -hmm. is embarrassing to jump around and dance and chant and yell and, you know, get into it. So there's that that issue too to deal with of just do you have the social and physical space to do a lot of these activities
0: I often wonder what my neighbours think because the other night I was doing my spontaneous singing thing and I could hear the neighbours downstairs outside of the car and I was thinking to myself well if they're not freaked out yet they will be (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just wait until it gets noisier. Um, That's when he said, "Put on some really loud uh,
1: rap music and then do your thing." <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I did. Yolandi said, "I did some intense spell work about two weeks ago. Uh, when I went back into the house, my cats got scared and ran away from me. That taught me to watch my energy levels." Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think coming back to incantation and enchantments and sound and vibration and stuff like that when you are doing some kind of spell work and you are speaking um it does change your energy oh yeah uh, absolutely changes it um, and if you know if if your pets are obviously used to a particular energy um when they're with you and all of a sudden you walk in and the energy's completely shifted they' they're not going to know be what.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, again, the importance of grounding and centering and and sweeping up afterwards. Unless, of course, your goal is to, you know, change yourself, in which case you want the change to stay. Mm. Which, enchantments and incantations, especially those anchored to some sort of daily ritual are absolutely excellent they're they're wonderful for permanent changes in the body um i should say permanent changes in the self doesn't have to be something physical it can be the increase of a skill or the decrease of a habit or anything like that um and um it's Partially, it's the the recall of the experience of the original enchantment, um, but partly it's it's also the magic of speaking, uh, the magic of of again capturing language and articulating logos. I mean, I have I have specific incantations that go with all of my enchanted jewelry. And I say the incantation every single time I put on or take off that piece of jewelry. And Mm. sometimes I'm in a rush and I don't think about it. You know, it's not a conscious thing. But I still auto-say the incantation because it's a habit. And sometimes I have the time to really focus and connect and and renew the, the energy involved in it. And, and sometimes I'm, I'm called to uh, kind of re up the ritual, sort of thing, you know, re recharge, reinforce. So there's a lot of different ways um, that enchantments and incantations play into that, what I consider pretty much a singular piece of magic.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like my morning routine. If I don't do my morning routine, just the whole day. Um, I don't, oh, I say my morning routine, I mean, it's quite a bit, I, I take a shower with, you know, it's before sunrise, so it's with with energy, so that's one part of it, but then I do mantras, and then I greet the sun with a Gayatri, Gayatri mantra, um, but just that greeting the sun, um, I just, I sing the, the, the mantra three times, that alone just feels, uh, you know, it enlivens me, really. And then, my day's great. Yeah. <laughs> but before, the, if I don't do it...
1: Say, I have I a, a, a cleansing ritual and a um, welcome of the night that I do every evening that's about, mm. you know, stripping off the pain of the day and, and the worries of the day and all of that and taking in the lessons and um, embedding hopes and stuff in my dreams and if i miss it which you know especially if i'm in a different place and traveling or something like that there goes all routine but Mm -hmm. if i miss it i don't sleep well (laughs) i don't wake up Mm -hmm. refreshed i don't feel good the next day you know so we all have those those things and i think the the enchantment part of it is um extremely important it can't be Mm. can't be removed from it just like any other portion of it can't
0: be removed i think some people would argue that it's purely just mental um even if it is it works but um and it's probably both as well it could be just that thing of you believe it does a certain thing therefore it does it's got absolutely nothing to do with what you're actually doing but at the same time, I you know, just looking at the science of vibration itself um, kind of brings me back to it's not just a mental process. It's not just something I believe is happening. There's a whole vibration that's changing cells and membranes and everything around me and in me um, to actually align with a particular thing. So, you know. That vibration itself. I, I don't have to believe it. If all, all I, if all I do is just use a particular vibration to reach a particular goal, if I don't believe it's going to work, does it work? Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I. The placebo effect has always kind of um, made me chuckle, because something's having an effect and the mind makes it real as they say you know there there is the placebo effect really does heal whether it's yeah. an investment in authority or, or whatever um we explain the psychological mechanism is which is is fascinating and worth exploring but the thing is there's an effect it it makes a change it makes a measurable uh quantitative change and you know, from the science side of things, that's that's the interest. Um, but there's a a qualitative part of life too, um, and that's our experience. You know, are you living a good quality of life? And uh, I think enchantments have a huge impact in that area, whether it's whether it's mental or not, and and. We say that even when you said it's just mental, that just Mm -hmm. minimizing it and saying it's somehow not real because it's not engaged in that materialism, but it is because Mm -hmm. it has a measurable effect. Um, You know, so just mental is still effective in materialism even if that's the metric by which we're measuring and i don't think it's a complete effective metric i think it's one portion of a much much bigger situation and and like you said it it's all about vibration it's all about frequency again Mm. and again and again as we come back to it and like the binaural beats i have i have lots of neurodivergent friends um you know the some take medications for it some don't all sorts of things and i I tell them about binaural beats and they're always like bullshit you mean i can listen to music and it makes me feel better or it makes me focus or it helps me learn or it helps me sleep and i'm like so uh what's the harm in trying it Mm. you know put some headphones on pick something that aligns with your goal see if it works if it didn't work for you who cares you what You took maybe an hour of your life to prove me wrong? Okay. But the thing is, it works. Nobody's ever come back to me and been like, this is bullshit. Um, (laughs) Including someone like me who has partial deafness. You know? Mm. And I even listen to binaural beats frequencies in the frequency range that doesn't test, that I can't hear on a, a test. And it still makes a difference. So... Eh, (laughs) you know, whether it's conscious or not, it's doing something.
0: Well, that is interesting. Because, I mean, binaural beats themselves as two different frequencies which are coming together in the middle of the brain and creating a... um, A
1: a uh, phase difference.
0: Phase difference, yeah. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, even if if you are deaf, it's still the vibration that's hitting the eardrum. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, my um, yeah. my deafness, you can look in my ear and see a damaged eardrum. The cause of mm. my deafness is right there on the front, you know. But um, I have friends who have been partially deaf from birth um, or, or deaf from birth. And, and let me tell you, deaf doesn't mean hear zero things. A lot of mm. people think it's, you know, way down there. It's just below a threshold of a certain level of hearing. And for some of them, binaural beats are very, very helpful. Um, And actually the way um, that most people I know in the deaf community prefer to experience music is through vibration, through that bass, because it vibrates the chest cavity and causes resonance. And Mm. that's pleasurable. No matter what is going on in the ear area, you know, and that sort of hearing physicality. There's a physicality to sound vibration that everybody I know enjoys. And, you know, some of my deaf friends that have very, very low hearing, they love it because they can go to concerts and stand right by the speakers and they don't have to worry about hearing loss from the damage, you know. Um, So there's a lot of different ways that we experience the healing transformative reality shaping quality of sound mm.
0: and i think hearing people just think of sound as being something um which projects a an image onto the brain just like um you know eyesight mm. the eyes is something brain interprets it we hit the vibration of sound hits our eardrum, and we interpret it into a particular thing. We hear a bird, we visualize the bird. Um, but it's a lot more than just that. It is about the actual vibration itself. Um, and I think that's that's the main thing that sound is really, is the vibration. Everything's vibration and therefore it's energy. And coming back to, it's just the mind. The thought is also energy
1: mm-hmm. and
0: vibration. So when we think something, we are projecting a particular um, energy and vibration, which is what alters the the outcome.
1: Well, I mean, vibration makes shape mm. and you know, I mean force into form here here's you know that fundamental idea. I know we're kind of veering off into to quantum physics and all of that sort of thing but it's all all part of it here you know mm. vibration is a quality of our experience of the material world but mm. it's it's a hidden quality it's it's behind the veil and the veils you know you can you can pull it to the side and look it's just fucking weird over there and it doesn't make sense because <laughs> it's not it's not what you think your senses have communicated to you. Mm. And yet, it absolutely is what your senses have communicated to you, but perhaps not what you've interpreted at first.
0: Let mm. me uh, these quick and then I think we can go for a break. Uh, Schrodinger's cat said, uh, I have the same problem in my current department. Yeah, just make all the noise. If anybody asks, just say that you. You we were listening to some weird music. Um,
1: I, th- I think I um, had some neighbors that were magicians at one point because they would put on like really, really loud classical music like mm. right around sunset for mm. 40, 45 minutes and then they'd turn it off. I'm always like, what, what are you doing?
0: Mm. <laughs> you know? Sounds like a ritual. Yeah. <laughs> cats also said it's in, in reality, mm-hmm. we don't even know how the placebo effect works. Yeah. Well, well, unless we're yeah. equated to magic, yeah. Um. only said we underestimate the power of our minds absolutely all the time. Yeah.
1: I, I think um. magic for a, a huge chunk of people is just reclaiming the power of our minds. Mm. And. and taking control of it, instead of letting it it do things unconsciously. Mm. And usually we land there because of something it did unconsciously, like some thought forms that are plaguing us or, you know, that sort of thing. And we're like, oh, it's magic, and it's a lot of people's introduction to it.
0: Mm. Mm. All right, Uh, we're going to take a quick break then, get some more hot chocolate, because I'm finished, I'm all out. Okay, so check out the link in the description, go check out our website, and we'll be back just now with more. Be right back. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Into the Wild Edge. I have to keep correcting myself for my head because I'm still... Um, on uh, at chat. I'm impressed yeah.
1: <laughs> every time you get it right Because I don't in my head <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so today we're talking about enchantments And incantations um, We've go, been going on and on About uh, mantras And vibration and things like that So I think we'll get more into the The rhyming Metrics um, The language uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So. Well, we
0: did. We did mention it a bit with the evo and the evo stuff like that.
1: Yeah. The the vowels. I think it's interesting that um, vowel sounds are kind of like the the key. And mm. you know, you were reading it and talking about. I don't know how to pronounce it, and I was thinking, well, I know how to pronounce it, but then again, I know how to pronounce it for me because I experimented with them until I got results. Does that mean that's necessarily the right way? I don't think so. I think that's the way that I managed to get it to work. And I think it might be different for other people. Um, so that's one of those things I think you need to play around with. But I think about, um, like, Sanskrit and uh, Hebrew and, and Arabic languages... Early on in writing, vowels weren't written, not Mm. as separate things. You know, we have, um, like Sanskrit is um, syllabic. So we have syllables that are written. Um, Whereas in English, we have, um, we're, we're past phonograms, we're past ideograms, we're into these abstract letters where this glyph combined with these other glyphs make a variety of sounds, and English is especially bad about that for a variety of history reasons that have to do with fucked up spelling. But, you know, that's why we have such a hard time um, learning to read English as children, because it's not phonetic. The same glyph doesn't make the same sound repeatedly. But in... Um, Arabic and Hebrew writing systems, and I'm sure there's some others that I'm not thinking of at the moment, um, only consonants were written. The vowels were passed orally, so that you would know the tradition and know the words and therefore know the context. And what was written down was kind of like, you know, cliff notes to help remind you. But the vowels were sacred. And then later we had... Um, what I always think of is like HTML for early writing. It's markup. It's taking that core written part and then adding the vowels on the outside in addition so that you know what the word is because the oral tradition is no longer the primary method of, of transmission. It's now a written tradition. So now we need to like actually really, you know, complete the words. And so we have these Uh, this addition of the vowels on the outside that are still, they're hinted at, right? They're they're diacritical marks, they're they're additions, they're they're an addition to the written language, and then eventually we end up with languages that write out the vowels, and I think to a certain degree um, there is a loss of the sacredness that goes with language in that way. Um, and not, I think it's because of the loss of vibration. Because there's there's absolutely a magic in capturing an idea, translating it into language and then fixing it in a written form. I know we've talked about that before, like when we've talked about the runes and, and sacred alphabets and, and that sort of thing. And, and there's that aspect, too, that the communication of ideas from mind to mind without vibration is a kind of magical current. But, you know, I think the, the loss of the understanding of the sacred power that is inherent in language and logos. I think is is kind of sad, but I do see I do see it coming back. More and more people are recognizing um, words have power, and mm. uh, not just spoken words, but written words and all sorts of things. I mean, all of us that are online right now, we live in a world of words, right? our social media is primarily through written words, although TikTok and YouTube and Instagram Reels and all of that, more and more spoken words. And I know I get super frustrated. Um, Friends send me TikToks and that sort of thing. So you should watch this. Well, there's no captions. Mm. So I don't know what's being said. You know, if I don't have a way to caption it. Now on my computer... I can turn on my live captioner like what I'm using right now. But um, I can't do that on on TikTok and I can't do that on Instagram and that sort of thing unless I'm using my desktop. So there's a, an interesting intersection there and a conversation about language and words and the spoken word versus the written word and that sort of thing, which is a total tangent from where I was meaning to go when we came back. <laughs>
0: Off, 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 off. Well, I come back to the pronunciation of the vowels. I mean, my introduction to the vowel sounds was um, through uh, Kabbalah, so the Hebrew. Um, So for me, it's E-L-E-U. And when I'm reading something like what I was reading earlier, I know that it's not Hebrew. So I kind of think, I obviously naturally pronounce it the way I was taught, uh-huh. um, so I, I kind of stop and think. Am I pronouncing this the right way? Because it's n- probably not how the original person <laughs> was thinking. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. and, and that's always a a thing. You know, how did they write it down? Are they using IPA, the International Phonetic Alphabet, or are they just mm. writing what they think? which varies depending upon what their first language is and and the region and and everything else, you know. My favorite um, explanation of that in the U.S. is to ask uh, somebody from Massachusetts to say coffee. Those are different vowels than than if I say coffee. And so, you know, if I use that as an example of a vowel, it's all about where we are, and, and what our regional accent is, and what language we grew up speaking. I mean, English is not my first language. I I, I didn't learn English until a bit later in my life, but I now have a uh, Midwestern English accent, because those are the people I've spoken around a long time, except for a few weird Britishisms. But <laughs> I have a lot of friends um, that either grew up in England or still live in England. So I had yeah. that
0: influence. Mm. But I mean, sorry, I'm going to come back to this again. It's
1: okay. <laughs> round and something round we like,
0: go. Yeah, something like um, EL. um What I find is when I'm reading a book and it comes up with EL, um it's spelt I-A-O. Mm-hmm and but there's no explanation of how to actually pronounce it now i pronounce it e-l-o because of my background but somebody who hasn't got that background would probably read it as i-a-o
1: yes and i've heard people um say things like i-a-o in ritual like Mm. with distinct breathy stops in between the vowels also And I've always
0: thought it was Greek. It is. Mm. So, yeah. The, yeah always mm. Let me actually find it. It's bugging me now. Um, <laughs> cuz it refers to something to do with the Greek god. Oh, it's the equivalent of Yahweh and Jehovah. Mm-hmm. In Greek, there we go. That's another
1: know. thing: the Tetragrammaton, um, mm. the four-letter name of God. That you know, once it is written, you cannot erase it because it is um, the mark of creation, the name of God, the the uh, incantation of the power of the Creator. Um, but it it even even in that case, it's written that way because there are vowels, and you need to know how to say the vowels. The vowels mm. are the are the key to all of it.
0: Mm. See, so that's another interesting thing. I mean, I was I was taught in it again. Um, Yodhe Vavhe is pronounced Yaweh. Uh,
1: yeah, I was too.
0: Yeah. Okay. I was wondering that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Not Yahweh. That's the
0: not that's way. the
1: way to say it without saying it. That's yeah. not right at all.
0: Mm. You but know? even standing up and going yard here a bit, I mean obviously before I don't uh, practical cabala, and I was doing LVRP and things like that. that's what I was doing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and people still do it nowadays. but mm-hmm. so it obviously has effect. but then afterwards I started using ER.
1: Now see, and... I, I think Yadhe Vavhe works for a different reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because um, it, it's the same reason that vibrating rune names works, even though we don't know what they are. Uh, we're actually connecting to the um, imprint vibrational power of the glyph.
0: Yeah,
1: not the sound. And there are um, points in language in history and, and maybe even today where the sound and the glyphs vibrations are actually the same thing. But for a lot of our languages these days, they are different things. Maybe not like hugely divergent, wildly different, but subtly they are different things. And the, the, the magic encoded in the glyph so we go through all this process and we get to the language part and then we must output it and we can choose vibrational or or written which is like kind of anti-vibration it's a solid um drop out of time kind of thing um Mm. they're coming from the same core and so they are going to be similar but they are subtly different in the effect and how they work and where they go Mm but they're still important pieces of that process.
0: And different vibrational sounds affecting different things. Mm -hmm. All
1: right. So where I wanted to go, when we came back from the break, (laughs) was talking about uh, structure of incantations. Um, We've mainly talked about sounds and um singular words although we did you know touch on some of the rhymes like out out throughout and about um and the horse and haddock horse and haddock horse and haddock um themes and part of what makes those effective is rhythm or uh meter that's what we call rhythm and language right the, the pattern of stresses, the pattern of soft and hard sounds, even the patterns of consonants versus vowels. And there are different meters that in and of themselves have different effects. It's not just the vibrations of the sounds within them, but it is the, it is the meter, it is the rhythm, it is the flow that makes the difference. And different cultures emphasize different metrical forms depending upon the values of the culture. So there are some metrical forms that are based upon um, end rhyme, uh, which is what we're most familiar with in uh, modern English. We, when we say something is poetry or we say it's a rhyme, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about end rhyme in words. Um, like hat rhymes with cat, rhymes with, uh, at a bat, I don't know, I was trying to think of a multiple syllable word, but it's only that that terminal syllable that we're concerned with for end rhyme. Um, in uh, many heathen cultures, alliteration was the rhyme that uh, was important. So the beginnings of words having the same sounds, There's also internal rhyme that is important in uh, Celtic and heathen Scaldic cultures. And internal rhyme is when the center of the word has the same stress and the same sounds. The same stress is very important. So there's a lot of these options. Um, There's a lot of different forms that these take. And you can use different metrical forms to have different magical effects. So uh, my favorite example is the difference between galdra Le and furnirdis Le. And Le in this case means meter. So galdra Le means enchantment meter or magic meter. It's one that spins an enchantment and changes the reality of right now. It's sometimes also called song meter because galdra Uh, was also a song, but then we have For Near This Lay, which is a remote meter, an epic meter. So this, um, just this um, stress pattern tells a kind of myth and legend and epic story that we are remote from, we are not part of it. We are, we are observing something that happened away it might be a way in time, it might be a way in space, it might be a way in the fact that we're talking about gods, not humans, kind of thing. And therefore, in For Near to Slay, we're also talking about archetypes and great big ideals that humans are incapable of achieving because they're perfections. So there's just two kinds of of meter. That are used to convey very different things and skilled skalds like when we read the eddas and that sort of thing will use different meters at different points to change the meaning of the same words that are put into these different meters so if you're talking in Galdrale, um, and like when odin i'm trying to think of the right story here i should have <laughs> should have read up on it it's been a while But when Odin goes to um, talk to this king and it ends up being revealed it's Odin, you know, he switches and starts speaking in Galdrille. And he's being, you know, tortured between two fires and he starts saying, you know, not only do I test the powers, but I am the powers, and so on and so forth. And if you don't read this in Galdrille, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. It just sounds like, this guy between two fires is talking about how he knows some things. But if you read it in Galderle and you add the, the metrical meaning on top of it, suddenly it's a spell. It's an incantation. He is changing the minds of everyone around him about who and what he is. And because of that, he is freed from his bonds. You know, he is no longer bound in the terms of what he was before, a mere old man. He is now fully revealed as freaking Odin, you know, standing right there doing those kinds of things. And you can only pick up on that in understanding that poetic meter. So in modern times, we can use those same kinds of ideas although we don't have the it's very hard to write in a a meter that was designed for old norse or early german in english (laughs) because you know the words aren't the same and and the verbal construction isn't the same and and that sort of thing but we have um, in modern times neuro-linguistic programming that's really how we understand and have kind of taken and formed a lot of these um, powerful ways of speaking. And so neurolinguistic programming is primarily concerned with what you say. You know, you're, you're talking about the mind map of the person, you're unpacking what they understand and helping them to reshape it, but how you say it makes a huge difference. Are you working with i statements you statements Um, where are you putting the verbs where are you putting the adverbs how many adverbs are you using do they alliterate is it happy hands or is it active hands those have different ideas right so there's all of these things to consider when you're building enchantments when you're actually composing the language that you're going to use for your spell and you can feel your way through it intuitively in your own language. You can't feel your way through it in a language you don't speak, of course, because there's a lot of rules about the language that you primarily speak that you probably don't know, you just intuitively use. Or you can go and follow um, specific metrical forms and, and just like following uh, specific formulas or specific techniques when you cook and use those to compose your enchantments i really like using a lot of the skaldic rules from the skaldic poetry in the eddas but i only use it in that language and of course it's not my primary language i'm not like speaking old norse every day or anything like that so i'm sure it's clunky you know but i, I do my best and i take little short couplets usually um and put those together, or whatever the form is, some forms are four lines long, some forms are five lines long, you know, and put that together, and use that for my enchantments, and I have pretty good success, I think, every once in a while, stuff Mm -hmm. falls flat, I mean, it's magic, it's not going to be 100%, Um, but, you know, this is something to really, to really think about when you're talking about your enchantments, and, the easiest access is to um, go all doctor Seuss on it or Shakespeare. In the same meter. Um dun dun da 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 da. Um good old iambic pentameter uh, within rhyme. So the iambic pentameter is five pent iams bum bum. Zo- uh, stressed and unstressed syllables together. And you can write in iambic pentameter just from reading nursery rhymes in English a lot without thinking about it and counting it all out. But it's interesting to think about what that means. Five is, is um, vibrationally speaking, harmonically speaking, the, the phase between physical and metaphysical. It's the crossover. It's the thing that... You know, it's on the other side, but it's closest to this mm. physical side. It's right, right there, and so pulling that duality with that five harmonic into it pulls these things from the other side into this. It it, it crosses that boundary. It makes that that wishy washy, um, very variable. Um, line between physical and metaphysical get more blurry and make it easier to move between as part of the reason uh, we tell fairy tales in that or we tell mythology in that or you know when we think about uh, the mystical beings they speak in iambic pentameter you know they they cross boundaries with this so there's an easy accessible way to to use these skills and of course go as deep as you want uh, with it, that helps you use all of these kinds of harmonics in language to help bridge that gap. And of course, the the magical thing happens when you can hit that flow state with it, which is uh, why I think rap is just amazing, because you can watch people hit that magical flow state in rhythm and language. I mean, it's this is this is skaldic poetry in our time. You know, um, what the ancestors were doing when the, the poets, the very, very powerful poets who kings were sure to pay because their words would shape reality, it would decide battles, and, and a, a praise song could make you be king forever. But if this poet decided to you know, talk about how you you smelled terrible and you shit your pants every week, then you weren't going to be king very long. So these words have power. And it takes practice to get to the point where you can hit that flow state and stay in that rhythm. And of course, additional rhythm helps. Having music, having drum beats, having melody, all of that helps stay in that form. Um, And it's something to really really practice or uh, develop if you have that inclination or that skill because it's it's super powerful and super magical, you know? Just um, think of even the, the social power it is to uh, show up in a, a conversation with your friends and spit a verse that is funny and witty and rhymes and everybody will quote it for a while because it sticks in their head <laughs> because it's got... Mm the right meter, it's got the right rhyme, it's got a message underneath it, that sort of thing. That's a kind of magic. You've yeah. implanted an idea and, and people are repeating it. They're repeating your vibration and your incantation and shaping reality in the way of those thoughts. So, well, meter matters. A, huh? It's
0: like a tune from an advert. Mm. It gets stuck in your head.
1: Yeah, jingles. years
0: later, you're still, still singing it. Yeah. Right.
1: I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I think I won't be a grown up, that stupid advertising jingle jumps into my head, right?
0: When it's usually the ones you don't like, they Yeah, really yeah. irritate you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So catchy. Catchy mm. is, is built out of rhyme and rhythm and lots of different kinds of rhyme. Lots of different kinds of rhyme. You know, from the assonance to the alliteration, end rhyme, all sorts of things. So there's a lot of different ways to uh, slice this pie to accomplish good enchantments. And then there's also, of course, using ones that have already been written. Mm. You know, um, the eco-eco-azerac, eco-eco-zamalac, that one, uh, you know, there's an, an incantation because it's calling in specific spirits to be here. I mean, eco-eco is just here, here. You're just saying it's here, and then a god name. Here, god name. You know, Um, so there's lots of chants like that that you can use to um, as incantations, as enchantments. I would, of course, caution that you always know what you're actually saying. Um. Yeah, don't just yeah. repeat things.
0: This this actually brings up the um, much asked question. When somebody is um, using a prescribed ritual, and the words are in Greek or Hebrew or whatever, um, a lot of people ask, can they use the English version because they're English? Um, instead of using the actual incantation, which is being presented to them in a foreign language. Um, and I've seen people say, yes, you can, because it's just the words and the intent. Uh, and other people will say, no, you can't, because there's a sacredness tied into um, the foreign language, you're trying to, you know, the incantation itself. Um, I'm kind of on that that side.
1: <laughs> I, I do think that the incantation itself usually has meter and rhyme and everything that have a power to it. Um, and that's if you're pronouncing it correctly. And I put correctly because pronunciations change over time. Languages change over time. So you might be reading something in ancient Greek but if you're using modern Greek pronunciation, that might not be right. Uh, right. Um, but meaning has power too. You need to you need to connect with something. you know, you need to understand what you're saying if you want it to be effective. <clears throat> so, on one hand, yes, you can use the English version it's not going to work like the one in the original language.
0: It is still important to actually understand what you're saying, otherwise you just
1: Yeah. If you
0: saying something abstractly
1: But yeah, when you translate poetry you lose you lose the meter. Yeah. And it's super important. It's a very important part of things. And like one thing I think is interesting if you try to recreate the meter in another language, you will change the meaning straight Mm -hmm. up. I've never seen anybody successfully take a poem in one language and translate it to another language and keep meter and meaning. It's just, it's too difficult. There's too much change between language. So I think you need to balance that in a lot of ways. Um, You need to experiment. You need to find out which is most productive if you feel you can only do one or the other. My recommendation is, of course, learn the language um, so that you can pronounce it in the way it was intended and understand what in the world they're saying. Uh, That's not easy. That's not something you can do by Friday. You know, Mm -hmm. that's several years' worth of work. Absolutely. But it it will open doors it will it will make things much more effective and then of course there's always just you know figure out what it says to you and write your own in your own language as best you can which also that's not something you can do by friday it's you've got to you got to spend time with it and you've got to work with it and the thing not to do is relegate them to the barbarous words of magic, where you're just rattling off a stream of syllables and you don't know what you're saying. You don't have any meter to it. You don't have any understanding behind it. They're just noises that you're making. That's a really good way to detach you from the original meaning and hook you up to whatever is sliding by,
0: mm. you
1: know? So don't do that.
0: Yeah, I think that's the other thing as well, um, the actual, if, if somebody is using incantation in a foreign language, the actual pronunciation, it, I don't think it needs to be perfect but it needs to be close enough that you are actually pronouncing the words properly. And this was one of my contentions with Lon Milo Duquette's Chicken Kabbalah, Um, Mm. because he basically says in there, um, you can pronounce the Hebrew words however you want to, it doesn't matter. Why? Because you're a chicken kabbalist. Um, No, I don't think so. (laughs)
1: Well, again, we're to the, is it the glyph or is it the sound? Because the glyph will get you somewhere. Mm. And the sound will get you somewhere, too. Mm. Sometimes those are close enough that they're effectively the same. Sometimes they're not.
0: Yeah. I, don't know. I think it's know. I think for me it was just the whole respect aspect, as suppose. Well.
1: Yeah, I, there, there's a lot of that in there, too. Don't... Mm. Don't, don't be a culturally appropriating person where you can take a chunk of someone else's sacred culture and just use it however you want, because it doesn't matter. You know yeah. that's,
0: that's not good. Uh, let me just go over to the chat quickly. Uh, Some come in. And you know, Andy said, learn to speak Dutch, German, and Afrikaans. It helps a lot. I'm working on my German. I can't remember what this reference now.
1: Oh, I was talking about vowel sounds. You know, they change from language to language.
0: No, Dutch German and Afrikaans are very, very similar. Um, In fact, I've heard a lot of people say, um, German people say, that uh, they found it very easy to learn Afrikaans because it's so close.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll have to start studying Afrikaans once I feel that my German is passable. It's one yeah. of those ones
0: then I need to
1: add to my. I, I need to add that to my language repertoire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Deborah is here, though, Deborah. Um, Burke said incantations are like keys. A lockpick will open a lock, so you can use a translation. But the key made for that lock works better, faster, and is less likely to damage the lock. I agree. Very well perched, Very well. Yes. Put. Especially
1: um, since lock is also etymologically another word for a kind of enchantment.
0: Um, um, Deb said, as I think I understand, you must know every word you use. Very important.
1: I, I think when anyone is speaking for any reason, they should know every word they use. Um, I do not think anybody should speak things out loud that they don't know what they're talking about. But um, even more so for magicians and witches. Because here's the thing. When you want your words and speech to shape reality, that's not a switch. You can't turn that on and off. Either you are a speaker of truth, speaker of sooth, Things that are more true than true that are the foundation of reality, or you're not. Either your tongue lies, or shapes truth, and, and you may move between them in your life. But you can't slip on the Seuss saying for a ritual on Friday and then uh, flip it off and and lie about things the next day. It is not. A quick transition. It is a, a a long-term thing. And I highly recommend if you're going to be a magician, just get on the tri- side of truth and stay there. Way fucking easier. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are things that, that go with that that aren't easy. You have to be mindful of your words. You have to watch what you say. And occasionally shit slips out and you're like, well, crap, <laughs> shouldn't have done that but now it's been said, so now it is part of the fabric of of creation, the fabric of reality. Mm. And so when you approach life from that perspective, and you have that discipline within your words, you wouldn't go read something you don't understand, right? You wouldn't perform an incantation in a language you don't know or or you don't understand what that particular incantation is there there are ways to do incantations without learning the entire language but you're putting your trust of truth in whoever translated so you need to you need to know that but um you can't go speaking authoritatively without actual authority not and and expect to accomplish any kind of magic. You will just unravel your world around you.
0: Um, Andy said Dutch is more like Afrikaans than German. Oh, yeah. mm. uh, they're even close. Um, Deb said, but sometimes you might know about something. You might not know know about something, so you have to ask. Um, I think what you're trying to get at, Deb, is that you know in order to speak a truth you have to open your mouth and verbalize it but you might not know um what you're actually saying um you know we even in that case you are still speaking your own truth because you are trying to get to a point where you understand it better but in order to do that you have to speak something to I'm trying to put <laughs> trying to explain this other it's rattling around in my head in order for you to get from point a to point b and point b being where you you have the truth you have to take a journey and that journey you have to speak and as you're speaking you are forming a particular pathway and a particular energy which is pulling you towards that point that you're trying to get to am i making any sense
1: no, nope, not to me. But that's okay. <laughs> Keep going.
0: <laughs> I'm doing my best to follow. I'm trying. It, it's it's kind of in there in my head, and I just I just can't figure out the words to explain it. When we when we speak, let me try this again. Here we go. When we speak, um, our words create vibration. That vibration will alter reality around us. So. If we are trying to get to a particular truth, but we don't understand it quite yet, we still need to speak what we understand. And that speaking will change the vibration of our immediate environment, which will then draw us closer to the end point. If we do not speak, we do not change the vibration, and therefore we cannot create the road that gets to where we're trying to get to.
1: Do you not read?
0: No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. No, I'm thinking about it in, in terms of, of speaking, of verbalizing. <laughs> we,
1: we don't live in I'm an oral transmission truth. culture. Mm, and true. I think too many people speak well before it is time for them to speak.
0: Yeah. No, no that's true. Um,
1: I don't think you need to talk your way to... truth and so if you don't know about something sure you need to ask but at that point you're not you're not speaking authoritatively on the subject you're not enchanting Mm -hmm. you're not incanting you're not you're not definitively speaking about the nature of reality you're questioning it and those are very different positions energetically vibrationally, philosophically. Um, and like I was saying, we don't live in an oral transmission culture anymore, which I know is, is hilarious because here we are doing an oral transmission knowledge podcast. I mean, seriously, that was part of the reason we did this is because we wanted to focus on spoken language as part of the transmission mm-hmm. of knowledge because it's different than reading. But asking questions is not enchanting it's not incanting it's it's receiving it's the receptive part of knowledge enchanting and, and incantations are the projective part of knowledge they are putting out they are shaping what must be they are making things as you want them and so you better know what it is you want and what it is you're making, right, when you do this process. Um, But, so let's take the terrible uh, recipe analogy. When you know how to bake a cake, you just go bake a cake, right? And it comes out a cake on the other end. But if you don't know the eggs and flour and, and butter and milk and everything needs to go into a cake, do you go into the kitchen and tell people how to bake a cake while doing it? No, you read a book, you find a recipe, you watch a video, you ask somebody else, you you participate in receptive knowledge, you participate in receptive language, and you say, I want to learn how to bake a cake. I want to learn how to do this, right? Yes, that action of seeking that vibration pulls it to you. So, yeah, I'm with you on that part, that it brings you closer in vibration to that. But not all magic is speaking your truth and and authority and creation. That is not the position you begin magic in. That is not the position... um, that we uh, occupy um, in the learning process, and everything goes in in cycles. We talk about again and again, around and around. But you don't, you don't enchant. You don't, and and part of enchanting and encanting is getting it outside of you, so that other people are influenced, other things are influenced, right? So it's, when you're influencing others, you better know what you're talking about. Don't, it's, it is irresponsible. I'm not saying it's impossible, because plenty of people do it. It is irresponsible to tell others what the nature of reality is when you don't know what it is. And that's what enchanting with words you don't know is.
0: That could be a bit difficult because somebody who has been taught a particular way will go and speak authoritatively about that particular thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, my understanding of of reality is a certain thing, and therefore I will speak about it with authority. But I could be completely utterly wrong.
1: That's why it's...
0: That's the reality I'm creating. Though.
1: Yeah, but that only works in a worldview where there's one right and a mm. lot of wrongs. It only works in that that dualistic perspective. If mm. I speak my truth and you speak your truth and they're different, who cares? We're both mm. speaking our truth.
0: We're both correct yeah.
1: We're both and, and correct is not about um, quantitative proof. Mm. Correct is about qualitative understanding. Mm. And this is why um, we listen to uh, holy people. You know, why we respect the words of someone like uh, Thich Nhat Hanh or the Dalai Lama. Because their truth is rooted in a qualitative understanding that we can resonate with. Even though it may not be our truth, it may bring us closer to their vibration when we are receptive Mm. and seeking. But we can also clunk ourselves down and never enter that receptive stage and therefore never increase in knowledge or grow. I mean, that's, Mm. that's, I know lots of people do that. Um, I mean, just turn on the news. (laughs) There they are. Uh, (laughs) but, and that's, that's one of the things about being a magician is recognizing this, recognizing many of these things that, uh, most people don't think about, most people think for granted, Um, living in a dualistic worldview, understanding the difference between right and wrong, and correct and wrong, and what is truth with a little t and a capital T, and what is sooth, and how that all works. That's a dynamic interplay that we enter into every time we talk, every Mm -hmm. time we communicate, every time we say anything. So We need to take responsibility for our part in that process. Whether we want to or not, we are co-creators of the continuum of everyone's reality. So is everyone else. I mean, I I would love to be able to bubble up and just walk out the idiots, but I can't. (laughs) They're still there. They are still vibrating. They are still contributing to everything. And part of what it means to do magic is to recognize your place in that and take responsibility for it so that you are now actively, consciously choosing these interactions instead of just going along and not thinking about it and doing whatever. And I think most people who do that tend to talk less about things they don't know. Because we realize we don't know.
0: I think it might be one of the reasons also why um, so many people fear having their worldview challenged. is because something could come along and, you know, you had a particular idea about something. And then somebody comes along with another idea that kind of resonates a bit more, which throws this whole thing off kilter. But that then equates to, because we come from a Christian Western worldview where it is right and wrong, that now what you believed was wrong. But it wasn't wrong. It was just a development of your own worldview into something.
1: Well, and, and we identified ourselves, our concept of our own identity with those beliefs and with the idea of being mm-hmm. right. Our our yeah. ego had to be right. Our identity was based on us believing the right thing. And so when now it's presented that we have believed the wrong thing, then our identity crumbles. And that that hurts. That is mm. is shaking. You know? And and one of the things about chaos magic is you learn not to base your identity in the foundations of worldviews you learn to base your identity in yourself, in where it really belongs, not in being right or wrong or or being attached to this or that idea or or that sort of thing, but in you and what you internally know is healthy, life-promoting, and therefore good. I mean, good and evil are some terribly disparate words that have come to mean very very different things when originally the ideas of good and evil were just promotes the continuation of life and promotes the the ending of life Mm. and not in an individual sense but in a collective sense which is you know why you can use salt to cleanse things because salt is the the anti-life but also the foundation of life mm. so there is it, it, it's it's yin and yang there is nothing that is wholly, perfect and pure everything there's a drop at least of an opposite polarity within it because duality is a well i don't want to say false idea but an idea that only resonates within certain dimensions of understanding.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, let me go back over here. Yolandi said that uh, she'll teach you Afrikaans. There you go. Mm. Um, can be a very expressive and fun language. Yeah, it, it is it is noted to be one of the best languages to swear in.
1: Oh, cool. So, well, uh, that, yeah. that gives a couple of marks in my move that up on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I love my swearing. Gotta swear all the time.
0: <laughs> um, Burke said We know from quantum physics that observing anything influences it. Speaking the words of an incantation links you to the fabric of reality affecting it. Know your observation to know its influence.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: books on, on the ball today.
1: Yeah. He's pretty smart.
0: Yeah, he is. <laughs>
1: Um, so going back to Deb's question you might not know about something so you have to ask then you wouldn't be enchanting you wouldn't be doing magic about it you wouldn't be performing incantations right Mm -hmm. and again there we go with the don't recite things you don't know what they actually say or you don't know how to say now there is the great horror movie trope that you can you know read from the ancient book of curses and if you say the words out loud then the the dread mummy rises or whatever it is in the horror movie that's nothing either if you don't know what you're saying and you can't pronounce it right you're just making noises You're just adding to the gobbledygook vibrations of the universe, right? Nothing's really going to happen. It's not dangerous. You're not accidentally going to open a portal because you mumbled the wrong syllables and it really does mean something in ancient Sumerian. You need everything all lined up. You need focus. You need intention. You need emotion. You need vibration. You need... And the more these things you line up, the more likely you are to achieve your goal. But if you don't have anything lined up, nothing happens. So you can't accidentally open the cursed portal to hell by reading out the the tablet. It's just a horror movie thing. It's the only way to get stupid people with guns into these scenarios, right? So, you don't worry about that. But if you want to actually accomplish something which is, you know, incantations, enchantments, actually doing some magic, using verbal things, you need to line up as many things as you can in your favor.
0: All right, should we call it a day? Sorry, I've got a mozzie, I've got a mozzie. (laughs) Got got it. Um, Yeah. We battled the mozzies here. (laughs) Okay. Alright, so next week we are doing Advice for the New Witch. Uh, It was a very popular show previously, so we are going to continue with that. Uh, We probably will only have an hour live, so what we want you to do, or I want you to do over the next week is get a, a pen and paper or a notepad or something and drop down every single question you can possibly think of
1: every single next,
0: question every single question and then next friday put them in the chat and we'll go through them like this like, like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we'll try because we, we ramble a lot so we
1: yeah. ramble a lot and talk about a lot of different things but that's that's half the fun right
0: yeah. and, and yeah.
1: we're we're not talking about a linear world With Mm. with linear concepts, everything's connected to everything else. So we all have to come round and round in the pool again, the same concepts again and again.
0: We do like that rabbit holes. Okay, so we'll see you next week. Have a good one until then, and don't forget to check out the new website and the Discord server and the Facebook page group group. And uh, if you would like to support us. And, oh, Burke said put them on the Discord server. Yeah. yeah. So we even have a special on channel server. on the
1: Discord server for questions uh, and comments to end up on the show. So if yeah. you think of something at 2 AM and there's no paper, I know you have your phone by you, uh, pop it into the Discord server.
0: <laughs> and then we can bring them on to the show. OK. so. If you would like to support us, there is a donate uh, tab uh, in the menu, a uh, link in the menu on the website. So, yeah. you
1: can go
0: and support us there.
1: Thank you, everyone, for your questions and comments and conversation today. Uh, we didn't quite yeah. know where this was going to go, do we ever? And it was a yeah. lot of fun. We really appreciate you being here.
0: Yeah. All right. until then. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us in the Wildwood. Meet us again next week for another episode. And don't forget to check out our website at intothewildwood.com. That's Wildwood with a Y. And if you would like to support us, you can leave a donation on the website.